This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code AWAKENING. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome and good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be. And we wish you the best today and every day of our lives. It's been very challenging, but what what's life would be without a challenge, but we're double challenged right now. So I'd like to pay respect and eternal reverence, joy and gratitude for the unceasing love and mercy of the one source most divine. I welcome everyone and I'm grateful that no matter what we can get together. Okay, so today Freedom International live stream where we welcome our very own, when I say very own, because I believe she is just in the next city to me. I'm in New Jersey and she's in New York and we welcome Vera and she's well known all around the world, Vera Sharaf. And with me are Mind Wars UK um, podcaster, uh, Chris Ryan, and also Awakening podcast podcaster, Roy Colan from Poland. So Vera, thank you so much. you've been so busy 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 and you know we're not spring chicken but we keep busy and it seems like it's fueling us to gather our energy so for those who don't know Vera I'll just read a little bit about her and I really like her to tell us more of what uh, motivated her from what she has been doing even before 2020 Okay, because she just didn't, she was not, she's not just a, a significant change maker just now, but even before. So Mrs. Mrs. Vera Sharab is a child survivor of the Holocaust. Is a, is, she is also a public advocate for ethical medical research. She's the founder and president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection, and that is AHRPWW at AHRP.org. This is an information source and watchdog organization whose goal is to unlock the walls of secrecy that undermine patient safety and scientific integrity. She has testified and presented before academic, government, public policy forums, local and international, including FDA, Federal Office of Human Research Protection Institute of Medicine, highlighting an underlying conflict in moral values resulting in medical research practices that sacrifice patient safety. She has published articles and book chapters. And in my world of nursing, we always say patient first, patient first, safety first, safety first. So that's one thing that Shira and I feel that I have in common with her because she is so focused on the uh, safety of each individual, especially the children. And of course, at the end of the spectrum of the children, the seniors. So Vera, thank you again. And please do start with what was in your childhood that made you or that molded you and kept you going to speak the truth about medical freedom. Thank you for inviting me and for that long introduction, really. It's not necessary, but I will say this. Okay, I was just a young child. I was three and a half years old when my family and I were uprooted, chased out of our home in Romania and sent to a concentration camp in Ukraine. 
I was in the camp for three years. My father died there of typhus, which was raging in all the ghettos and concentration camps because of the overcrowding and total lack of hygiene. What prompted me afterwards uh, to go into this field of the dark side of medicine is because the Holocaust wouldn't have happened without people looking the other way and keeping silent. And it wouldn't have happened without the medical scientific establishment giving the veneer of legitimacy to genocidal policies. So I have focused most of my career on medical violations and the violations in particular are violations of the Nuremberg Code, which was formulated and it was part of the decision in the doctor's trial at Nuremberg in 1947. The Nuremberg Code laid down what is the most important consequential medical ethics rules. They're the principles and they're supposed to be abided by. The problem is that the medical establishment, which is very powerful and which is far too aligned with both government and the pharmaceutical industry. And so they have been violating the Nuremberg Code, in particular, the absolute requirement for voluntary informed consent of the human subject. And we are seeing this being played out right now in a major, major, probably the most major violation ever since Nuremberg. Because here we are, uh, we are an experimental injection using totally experimental technology, gene transfer technology, is being injected into people without their knowledge about what this is, what the ingredients are, and voluntary informed consent. People are now being criminalized if they don't agree to be vaccinated, to be injected. So we are way back, we've rolled back all the way to pre-Nuremberg. This is the worst affront to human, to humanity at this point, uh, ever. I used to say that what distinguished the Holocaust from all other genocides, and there have been plenty of genocides in the 20th century, was the participation, the collaboration of the medical establishment until now. Now this is an explicit parallel. Today, the what is happening to eradicate legitimate government under democracy, under democratic principles, which require that we have our rights. All this has been swept aside under the proviso that this is a public health issue. So here we are. It is extremely troubling for somebody like me to bear witness again.
uh, now as an adult, as a fully cognizant adult. Because I know where these steps lead to. You know, the Holocaust didn't happen just like that. Auschwitz didn't happen by itself. There were years of preparation, of stages, stages during which people were dehumanized, ostracized, thrown out, um, and finally exterminated. Each step led to the next. And it happened because people did not revolt. So I can just tell you that I'm holding my breath in hopeful anticipation that the Canadian truckers will turn this whole nightmare around. If others follow the same course and say no more, we want our freedom back. And the only way to get it back is to take it back. And they have the right, they have the right attitude and the right method. Let's hope that this will be a turning point because just before the truckers came out, Canada was not allowing the unvaccinated to buy groceries. What does that say about society? Anyway, I'd like the others to talk about their countries as well. Thank you for sharing your, you know, that introduction of your story. Now, you and I come, you and I are both in the United States and we've seen many other countries who really had stepped up to be on the streets. And although some people said, oh, that's not gonna make a change. And yet the truckers did a fantastic job and really everyone's hoping that all others will follow. But last weekend, there was also that uh, big rally at Washington DC. Will that, do you think you can see a good, um, that will make a difference? And what do you say about also conversations of controlled opposition going on in United States? Well, controlled opposition is always something you worry about in, in this kind of a scenario. But I think that the more telling is how the media reacted to Bobby Kennedy's speech and how the government and police reacted to another very large demonstration at which I was present, which is in Brussels on the same day. In Brussels, we had something like 300,000 coming from all over Europe. But just as the speakers began, the first speaker began to speak, the police broke up the whole round with tear gas and water pressure. And they busted up the um, platform. Why? Well, we had had a press conference before the rally. And it was thought that the presentations at the press conference were so strong that they absolutely wanted to shut that down. What we need to know is when they break up these rallies, and they've done it in other countries as well, you know, we've seen the horrible, I mean, for me to see the black uniformed police brutalizing civilians who are 
just demonstrating, knocking them down to the floor, beating. I mean, that's a hard, that's Nazi stuff. That's absolutely Nazi stuff. Police are supposed to be there to enforce law and to protect its citizens, not to attack them as if they were the enemy. But that's what's been happening. It's happening in Italy. Italian people in the islands, like in Sicily, in Sardinia, they can't get off the island. They are not allowed to use public transportation if they're not injected. This is fascism in its worst form. And what's more, I am going around talking because others are not allowed to invoke the Holocaust as if it was something irrelevant to current history when it's the most relevant entirely, just totally the most relevant event that is similar to what's going on now was the Holocaust. And people need to understand that Hitler too had much bigger visions. He did not intend just to annihilate the Jewish people of Europe. He also intended to annihilate the Polish people and then the Slavic people and on and on it went until there was no one standing except the Aryans. So I'm seeing today what's happening as an absolute continuum of what Hitler started. And it is essential for the people of the world as they have started, certainly there have been demonstrations now throughout the year. We need more of that. They, they can't stop because then they win. And they can't win if enough people say no. They can't do it. This is, look, this is a, a small clique. You know, they have bought out the heads of state. Everybody's been bribed. We know that. But if the people say no, and the truckers are showing how you can stop the highways, you can do a lot of things. What is so shameful, though, is that the least revolting group are the most educated, the ones who sat longest at universities. That's something that we have to consider when we do win this war, how to change the education system, because it prepared people to look this way, not to listen to and not to think people are afraid to think they've been hypnotized with psychological weapons psychological weapons have been used since march 2020. fantastic vera as we see you moving on going forward we will do the same because we are in with you in this battle so i'll pass it on to uh, roy Thanks, Chris. Hi, Vera. A, a lot of people are kind of in shock thinking this could never happen because obviously everyone's aware of what happened in Germany. But a lot of people wouldn't be aware of what would happen, what happened 100 years previous to that in Ireland in 1850. They all said it was a potato blight mm. where the Irish, the famine, and the, I've, I've read, and there was a guy who researched it, that was another lie. There was apparently 5 million died, and it was called the Holocaust by the paper in Cork, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And basically, the British had 
half their army all over Ireland, stole all the food, burnt all the roofs, and basically killed everybody. So this isn't something new. So we have that, we had Nazi Germany, and now we have what's going on now. And people think that can't happen, especially, oh, the British, like a lot of people kind of praise Churchill and everything. And like what he's done to India and everything, he was not a good man either. And people, it's constantly, they're rewriting history to make us think differently. So like I have, I'm wondering what happened to you when you left the concentration camps were the people because obviously so many got off this as you you know mentioned the medical in the like there was so many medical people police there was so many involved it wouldn't happen with just the top layer it has to be were they were they conscious later did they actually did were they aware of what they had done after the war even though they didn't get you know no they weren't put into say Nuremberg. they were in denial they were in absolute denial they pretended they didn't know as if you couldn't smell the chimneys, as if you couldn't realize that when your neighbors were taken away and never came back, what happened? They died natural causes. They pretended, and they pretended for many years. It's really only the current, the third generation of Germans, for example, who recognize, uh, you know, what happened and the culpability of their grandparents. And I've even heard that there's like, I mean, because we know that Ness was, sub, like, I think it's Operation Paperclip, where most of the Nazis were actually sent to America. And right. even, in, I don't know, is it in Chile, some part of uh, South America, there's loads of Nazis. And they're basically, they've got all the medals, and they're like, there's hundreds of thousands of them, and they're in honor of the Nazis, what they've done. Well, yeah. the. the... There is a saying which really turns out to be absolutely true, which is Germany lost World War II, but the Nazis didn't. The Nazis have continued. They have infiltrated. They've been invited, as you say, through paperclip to the United States. Uh, at that time, the United States vied with the Soviet Union as to who gets most of the scientists, and America won that one. They had far more money to get them, and they didn't want to go near the Soviets, they didn't trust them. So yes, they infiltrated and they, their heirs are responsible for what we have now because some of these experiments were done in Dachau, for example. And they've continued to work on these things now. And you know, when someone, I think on Fox News or whatever it was, compared Anthony Fauci to Joseph Mengele, and then she was, oh my God, the house fell down upon her, you know, for how dare you compare. I said, what are you talking about? How can you really compare that? Mengele, no matter how brutal and how devious and all that monstrous he was, how many did he harm? He, after all, dealt personally with each one that he experimented on. How many could that be? 200? Anthony Fauci's responsible for millions of lives lost. Millions of lives. Both COVID and AIDS. He's been at these kind of injections, injectables that, that are harming, that are deadly rather than 
protecting against some virus. And he seems to be getting away with it, even with the AIDS thing. Apologies, because I'm after getting a cough attack. Um, with the FDA, I've read loads about them over the years, how corrupt they are. And I've seen that they were trying to quash the details on the vaccine for 55 years, which yeah. my eight-year-old son would go, what? So like that in itself is, is basically saying we're guilty. Exactly. I mean, I keep saying, look, if you are honest and straightforward, there's nothing to hide, really. When you hide and when you demonize people who point out what you're doing, then clearly you've got a lot to hide because you and you know that what you're hiding is actually criminal. You wouldn't be working so hard to demonize the one who says, I want to see the evidence. I want to see the documents. One has to ask also, why is it that everything to do with COVID and the contracts for the vaccines and all that under Trump at that time, everything is top secret and everything is handled by the military and the CIA? Why? What does public health have to do with the military and CIA? So, you see, everything has been taken out of all public scrutiny and without public scrutiny there is no democracy then we are in totalitarian regime no, absolutely and much like with the medical industry because i mean i've learned years ago how corrupt it was and i've heard you talk about you know in a psychiatric ward like the medication that it's not helping them they're trying to yes, and i have a doctor friend that told me that she had somebody related to her and they couldn't advise them to change the tablets because they'd be affecting the system. That's how deep it's gone. Oh, it's, and it's, it's sick. And like, there was something else that you mentioned as well. And like, I'm very conscious of it, but like doctors write out prescriptions. Yeah, no problem. But these things have gone through. Well, so we're told of certain tests, but it's like you're mixing coffee with tea. Doesn't taste really good. And now you're mixing to some people are on 10 different forms of medication yep. and the actual like every there, there's so much side effects alone from one but the concoction they have no way of de determining that and like say with the VAERS report and everything else we know it's all quashed we don't hear nothing so how many people are they killing just because of they're lining their pop pockets with the kickbacks that they get unfortunately which i think is totally i don't understand how that's even allowed that you get a kickback for writing out a prescription because you're giving a certain drug to uh, your patient well the hospitals and doctors who have been playing along with the covid treatment which is really criminal treatment they have made a lot of money there are some articles out now i mean doctors were making extra couple of hundred thousand dollars for doing just that. And hospitals had an absolute incentive to categorize everybody as dying from COVID. This, this will all need a reckoning. When this is over, we really have to have the way they had in Africa, you know, truth and reconciliation kind of thing. It's gotta be in court and the public has to witness finally find out exactly what happened and who the perpetrators were.
the names have to be there. They have to stand trial. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it's within my lifetime. That's all I can say. I'm sure it will be. Um, like, uh, we're aware of kind of Lenin-controlled opposition. I mean, I've seen, like you see, um, I'm not sure, have you gone speaking with some of these people or have you seen them? But like I've seen, say, Dr. McCullough, uh, Robert Malone and all these. Like, McCullough got a kickback in 2020 of 368,000 from the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, your man, uh, Robert Malone, he's got the patent for it, but I've, I've heard he's actually working on something else, some other patent for the thing. I mean, have you thought about that? Is there, like, have you seen some of that? Like, that we're being lied to just because they want us to think that these are the good guys? You know what? This this is really very tricky. And I don't, I've seen a lot of things, but I also know those people who work very closely with them uh, who say, no, that they're, look, they, this is the problem. Without people in who have been in the system, you know, who have worked with pharmaceuticals, you wouldn't know how it works. Mike Eden was, you know, VP at Pfizer, and he's saying this is a weapon of mass destruction. He has the authority to say that, really, because he knows how and what it's done. Same thing with these. You see, this is the problem. I can't vouch for somebody's, you know, Absolutely. But right now, they are helping other scientists and certainly lawyers to understand how this works and what kind of things that they do to come out with these fast, fast, rap rapid. Now it's nothing gets tested anymore. They're, they're passing things for children six months to five without any tests. I mean, it, the entire system, which wasn't working for decades, is totally collapsed. That's a fact. The fact that people don't realize, hey, the injections, what you call vaccines, they don't work. They were supposed to protect you from getting infected and from spreading the infection. Now they're admitting CDC admits it can't stop infection. It can't stop giving someone else the infection. Well, wait a minute. If it doesn't do that, then why are the unvaccinated being criminalized and, and demonized and the vaccinated being given some freedom while they still have to wear their masks? There's something, I mean, it makes no sense. It makes no sense unless you're trying to do something else entirely, which is what I think is going on, you see. Pfizer, Moderna, and whoever else jumps on this bandwagon of the vaccines make a lot of money. And every booster is another few billion dollars. I mean, that's why you have to have 10 boosters, 20. But the real, the real objective is something the Nazis could only have dreamed about. The Nazis had IBM as their surveillance and tracking system. It was punch card system. It was essentially the beginning of technology. Today, what they really, the real goal is to be able to control every human being remotely. 
That's the real. It's those passports, those chips they're putting into people. That's the controlling factor. And the injections are like the vector for getting the stuff into the body. Because remember, they're not telling us what's in those injections. And there are scientists all over the world who are checking those vials. And they're finding horrific things that are in there that should never be in any human body. Nanoparticles, in other words, it's so tiny, you need a very, very strong special microscope to, to see it. Most scientists don't have that kind of equipment, but there are some all across the world and they're looking at these and they're finding things in there that are horrific, that they believe are things that are meant to destroy the human body from within. And I mean, everything we're seeing with all we these really, sports stars, like if people don't see the sports stars dropping dead, that should, if that doesn't wake them up, I mean, I mean you, yeah. they can't hide that. Like the, the, the diabolical intent is what people I think really can't grasp. I learned the reality of evil as a child. So it doesn't leave me. So I recognize the signals right away, but they don't. Most people, after all, are not evil. And they can't imagine that somebody would really plan to get rid of most of the human population because they don't need them. They don't want to pay their wages. They don't want to share the resources. They can't believe it. They can't imagine that kind of evil. They can't imagine those who are now destroying the children. And they're destroying the unborn. I mean, all of these spontaneous abortions and all that. It's unbelievable what's actually going on. And people really, unless we can wake enough of them up, you know, the, the only way they can win is the way the Nazis, in a sense, you know, co continued their regime for so many years by having people not say anything, silence. Silence. Elie Wiesel, who was a Auschwitz survivor and Nobel laureate, and he was considered the voice of the victims when he lived. He said the worst sin is silence in the, in the face of evil. And that's true. The silent ones are actually actively allowing it to happen. They're collaborators. I totally agree with you because if you're silent, it means you're complying. You know, you're if you're not standing up, you're, you're yes, you know, you're not complying. Just before I pass you off to Chris, because I know you know you're, you're you're constantly doing interviews and everything to get the message out. I mean, I've been removed from from YouTube with my Awakening channel and also recently LinkedIn with no response. My good friend Chris there opposite me, he was kicked off um, Spotify because. You know, they just didn't like him. They wouldn't even respond to him to get it back on. And I've seen recently, you know, because of what's going on with Joe Rogan, that they basically sent a message saying that it's up to them to determine if you're talking about something to do with health. I mean, we all know that the narrative on that. But just wondering for yourself, have you seen a form of censorship on what you're trying to get out and how you've overcome it? Well, I told you about uh, Brussels. That was a pretty <laughs> that was a pretty heavy handed uh, censorship. Absolutely. They are a little reluctant, you see, to go after me 
directly. They may soon do it. I mean, I don't know. I'm on a hit list in Germany. But they're a little reluctant because they have a hard time. Uh, you know, I'm a witness. And so that's the reason that I am doing so many, as you say, these videos. I have to because otherwise it won't be out there. And I, I want to warn people. I want to warn people in as best I can because others are forbidden. Others are immediately, I mean, Ruby Goldberg said something. I mean, she actually, she said that the Holocaust was not a racist thing. Well, Jews are not a race. They're an ethnic group. So she wasn't saying anything, you see, but they don't want the word Holocaust to be talked, uttered today because it resonates and immediately people, if they hear it from people who they can trust, they will recognize, hey, maybe we better do something. See, this is, it's very dangerous for them, for us to be bringing up the Holocaust. But damn it, that is exactly, they're following the Goebbels playbook, which is fear and propaganda. Fear and propaganda. Each co, you know, each variant is more awful than the one before, and it goes on and on and on. And how long can they keep frightening people and keeping the children in masks? The children who need oxygen for their developing brains are being deprived of oxygen, and they're being deprived of one of the most important things. And I will tell you from my childhood experience. After, after. I was rescued from the concentration camp in 1944. By then I was six and a half. I was, for 10 months, I was kind of a child in, in transit from one to the other. And I had to assess myself. I could trust to take care of me. I was little and I only, and I was an only child. So I really only trusted adults to take care of me. I knew I couldn't take care of myself, but I had to choose. I had to assess people. Now, the most important thing about that is the facial expressions, the eyes, the mouth, how how people, and I was lucky. I, I chose good people. I was helped. I remember very well, this was actually was my birthday. I, April, a Romanian Christian family, they didn't have children, took me in and I was and I was sick. And they nursed me back to health for three months or so. I'll never forget it, you know. I mean, kind hearted people, but I had to assess who. If children don't learn, aren't exposed to expressions. That is a, a deprivation that is lifelong. It's a terrible deprivation. It's much more important than actual school learning. You, little children remember the teacher, you know, if they liked her smile, if they liked whatever, personalize. But you see, part of the diabolical plot, the new, the, the great reset, the new world order, is to totally dehumanize, depersonalize us. They want us to be robots. 
They want us to be predictable robots. As individuals, we are not predictable and that they cannot tolerate. So, I, you know, one of the things that has been very much denigrated is really intuition, emotional knowledge, and that's human, okay? The technological stuff is really very, very secondary. That's not what human beings are. That's why you, yes, they create robots who are better at it. But one of the reasons they want to put all these things in is for control, for absolute control. And, you know, they have this in, in China already. I mean, if you, if you misbehave, you can't take out your money. You can't buy groceries. You can't. And that's what they're, that's what they're pushing it for. That is really the agenda. The new reset book. I mean, I wish people would go to the World Economic Forum website and read, read what they say themselves from the horse's mouth, not from me. Don't listen to me. Go there and read it. Read what Klaus Schwab says, what he wrote in his book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. When he, read talked, when he said, in by 2030, you will own nothing, but you'll be happy. Now, notice he didn't say we will own nothing. No, you will own nothing. We will take it all away. That's what the Great Reset is about. Now, why people don't dare go and read right from the, these are the people who are causing all this. And they've been planning it for decades. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I encourage everyone, read Agenda 2030. So listen, Vera, thank you very much. Been wonderful talk. Yeah, and uh, you're an inspiration that you're fighting the fight and you know, letting people know what happened. And I'll pass you on to Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Hi, Vera. I guess in your lifetime, obviously, you thought you would never see an episode part two of what you had been, and I thought I'd never actually speak to somebody that was uh, part one, shall we say, of it. Um, you mentioned the Great Reset. Um, we've read it. Um, us in the panel, we have the book and all that, and we've been, you know, before any cover, we we knew what the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab, and the Bloodline families, and etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who really, the cabal itself, who runs the world and all that. So. COVID-19, not that many people have seen it coming, but uh, it was no um, coincidence, as you rightfully said. This was well-engineered, well-orchestrated, years and years in the making. And we, at the very beginning, have been, you know, trying to wake up as many people as we can as possible. You'll find it frustrating. I'm sure you're longer and longer on the tooth. You must find it extremely frustrating just trying to get people to, to understand, not even to go into the agendas or the depopulation or the genocide, compartmentalize it down, because I know it in about 30 to 60 seconds, the person I'm talking, the male or female, how far down the rabbit hole they are and how I need to basically take it slow steps or take it faster as to the understanding. Because if you just go straight into depopulation, they're over their head and they're like, no, no don't right. we, we, we need to like get out of this room straight away. We can't be talking to this mad conspiracy theorist guy. So how, and what we find frustrating is, um, as I often said, like at this stage, it's almost, it's so, so obvious in your face. I mean, the dogs in the street know at this stage almost as to what is going on and the criminality is still going on day by day. Yeah. But yet people, I've often said, you know, and many people have often said, you know, knowledge is power, but, you know, knowledge is only power unless what you do with it and turn it into action. But unfortunately, ignorance is our worst enemy to man and woman across the planet. How, I know you're extremely young at, at the time, obviously, that all this is going on. You're only three, three and a half and so on and so on at the time. How, and years later, 
I mean, you know, it's the very same from what we've seen. You've walked and walked and talked to talk. We can only read from, from past. But how do you, how frustrating or how do you see it back then? Because you didn't have Silicon Valley. You didn't have the high tech. You didn't have what you have today to get it out. Yes, as you say, you know, fear is often the, is the control or currency of control. The propaganda was huge, of course, of the Nazis, et cetera, et cetera. But how back then were, were the people so docile and so in a coma? I mean, majority so comatose by the whole propaganda and fear narrative and it's often said you know the bigger the lie the more people kind of believe it and it's easier fool somebody than actually tell them the following day actually you've been fooled mate and they just can't understand or comprehend that at all how do you see the contrast and comparison with back then as the awake or not so awakeness shall we say people with the comparisons of today trying to wake him up today to say hey this is not what it actually this is absolutely zero got to do with health and all got to do with control the agendas etc etc this is just it. You know, for many years, people just looked at the Germans and Poles as having been, you know, the collaborators with the regime and all that. How could it ha- how could they have let it happen? People really asked that for many, many decades. And when this started, there were quite a few who said, this is how it happens. You see, it, that's why I said the same playbook. You create a state of fear about something that individuals sort of don't feel qualified to do something about. So they start listening to the authority and the authorities are drumming in constant. And now the media is so much stronger than then. Then you had radio and newspapers, but really it was through the radio that Hitler made his, all his propaganda kind of campaign. And you keep bombarding people. And of course, there they demonize Jews as spreaders of disease and as contaminators of the genetic pool. So that's why you had to ostracize them, separate them, and eventually just totally get rid of them. This was the narrative, right? So today, first of all, the Holocaust was not has not been taught in its real historic context. So as I said earlier, the... Yeah, the Jews were the first kind of trial balloon. If you get rid of this minority, and there was a, there were some various practical reasons why they chose Jews, because Jews were, at that time, first of all, they were only 1.7% of the population. I mean, it was very small. But they were in the middle and upper class. So they had property, and they were the professors at universities. And they immediately got rid of them and gave those jobs and their and and the belongings to Germans. You see, so there were and and th- this was during a a depression, a very bad economic depression. So there were practical, you know, uh, essentially bribery kind of things. Here you can have their belongings. Today, they have made a virus that you can't see into this monster that oh, it, it comes all over you need this and you need that i mean it's so absurd really when you when you think about it the idea that this the virus which is so tiny it wouldn't go through the stupid mask of course it would but the masks are a symbolic equivalent of the yellow star they are a sign that you are not a free person you are being humiliated the masks have always been a sign of humiliation. 
the fact though that people are willing to buy into that and, and not to ask questions, that speaks very badly again about how they've been prepped educationally to trust authorities. You know, Albert Einstein, the worst, the worst uh, obstacle to truth finding is trusting authority. You know, the other thing he said, and this applies now to the boosters and more boosters and more boosters. And he said, you know, if somebody expects to repeat something over and over and expects a different result, that's called insanity. It's illogical. Each booster, same thing. It's not going to work. The first one didn't work. The tenth one isn't going to work either. Except it's working in the direction that they want. It's destroying. each With each shot, you're destroying more. You, you're bringing into your body destructive elements. That's that's what the boosters really are. And, and you can even see it in the fact that the hospitals now are crowded with vaccinated people mm-hmm. who are badly sick. Sorry, speaking of hospitals, um, I'm just in one myself before Christmas. Nothing got to do with myself, but to go in with uh, another person wanted me to go in with them. And I ended up speaking to two different doctors inside two different times. And um, I just told him about, you know, the PCR test, told him about exactly what's going on. And, you know, the whole thing is insanity, yada, yada, yada. I didn't actually think they would sit, stand at the test of time and stand there and actually listen to me about 20 or 30 minutes. But they did. And they acknowledged actually what i said he even he which we know from like over a year year and a half two years ago from the very start the pcr test it doesn't it's not a test it doesn't test for any so-called yeah, virus yeah. they still have to isolate and purify it to show it on planet earth that no no place across planet earth has shown it to exist so far i've even got you know freedom of information requests in the hse in england i've got them in ireland i've got them in uh, australia america and they said that they've never actually isolated purified or shown to exist in the context of, of the isolation so with these two doctors i spoke to they said that they actually admitted inside and they admitted inside on their own on back to say that yes even we know that if the test shows up positive to me of COVID and I said of course and I knew that and I'm no scientist or medical doctor I says but I said they, said, they actually said this is where we are all under protocol yeah. inside these hospitals so it's coming from the very very top down so mm-hmm. some of these people what Roy mentioned earlier they know inside what's going on but they're staying quiet others because they have to because they're licensed because they want to pay the mortgage because they want five different Mercedes whatever the cause is which is which is similar going back into the Nazi times as well, where it's very very frustrating. But these people are admitting, and we know. I mean, there's tens of thousands of doctors across the world that have been silenced. Why? Because did yeah. they just become bad doctors overnight? No, because they're speaking out on the truth. They have everything to lose, nothing to gain. But the people are, are staying quiet all the time in these hospitals, so they're putting people onto protocols. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said we know this inside. And I said I won't go into every single detail, but for, for time we've left. But I actually got him to admit inside, which I didn't think he would. But I said, we'll stick to the facts. It says we won't go into any theory whatsoever. As it said here, it says, now we're in a case, either the yellow card system in uh, in England, we know the VARs in, in America, anywhere from 1% to 10%, percent i would be close to 1% is all it actually accounts for, actually shows in it. And they said this going back years ago, pre-COVID as well. My point to the whole scenario is that, um, I said, you cannot honestly, I said, doctor, stand here and tell me, it says that across planet Earth at the moment, it says that, this so-called vaccine, which we know we can't actually label it as a vaccine, doesn't fit the criteria of an actual definition of a vaccine itself. So these jabs, these pies and darts, whatever terminologies, injections we want to call them, it says, right? Uh, you cannot stand here and say to me that across 
two billion, three people, it's endless amount. We don't know how many people has been injected across the world. It says the numbers are astronomical. It says, and you can't say to me that that this injection, this alleged COVID nineteen injection, it says that has saved one life across planet Earth. And he actually says, he says, no, he says, I can't tell you the truth that it has saved one life. And I says, fine, he says, I'll finish on this note, I says, with him, he says, that we can safely say, he says, that has killed, maimed, and injured tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions across the planet that we don't even know untold numbers about. But yet, he says, next week, you're going to roll out for five to 11-year-olds, and he thinks that's, you think that's okay? He literally says, shrugged his shoulders, in acknowledgement that I know what you're saying, but almost my, my hands are tired from the very high-up departments. What can I do about it? And, and walks away. So this is the so-called people in the white coat, the people who are not awake are going in, listening, yes or no, sir, everything you say must be right. And, you know, they don't really know what the agendas are. So very, very frustrating. I think that people are deluded into thinking that they will gain their freedom if they are obedient. And that's such a misconception because the more obedient they are the more enslaved they're going to be that's something that somehow has to be gotten through but that's not that's the problem they really think it will be good little obedient you know then daddy will let us you know go to the movie or something i mean and it's really at that level i mean i can't go i live I used to call it the center of the universe because it's right in the middle of Lincoln Center, which is the music capital, you know, of New York and a lot of the United States. And I can't go to any. They finally opened up some venues, you know, some concerts and opera and all that. But there, too, they forced the performing artists who had been without any employment for more than 18 months that's how they held this over their head. Either you vaccinate or you can't work. So voluntary informed consent, you see why it's so very, very important. It, it's it's the keys to at least minimal freedom. Yeah, and I often said, you know, people say, like you rightly said a few minutes ago, is it people think that if we just acquiesce another couple of days, it's just, oh, just put the mask right around the tube for 20 minutes, or just do this and do that. Yeah. Once you comply, and you know better than anyone, once you comply with fascism or theory, just a little tiny little ounce of thought, they'll want more and more and more. They don't just borrow it for a month and then decide, oh, we'll give it back to you next month. That's okay. I often said, like, we could, you can blame the Fauci's in the gates, and yes, by all means, they should be, you know, taken out to the gallows by all means. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's true, people's compliance, we are who we are. Um, because if ever, like the truckers and like many other people as well, if you just stop cooperating with the system, they need our consent. They have yeah. no they have no authority, they have no power. They're very, very weak, if anything, all these governments across the world. And they rely on our acquiescence through ignorance and through the propaganda machines that they can blast from Silicon Valley and all around the world. And the billions and billions, they pumped into billboards, media companies, they've all bought up in their pocket, just like the big farm industry, telecommunications, every single one, all brought up. And nobody, everybody's going, not everybody, a lot of people go around this bubble and thinking, like you said, just another day, just a bit more compliance. And then surely they can't prolong it anymore. I mean, we're in it two years now. Surely they can't go a bit longer. But yes, surely they can because your ignorance and compliance, we are still in this. And it's very frustrating to see that the people have got the two, three and going on four in some countries, these yep. injections, they're looking at us as if we're the, because of us, this isn't stopping. And I'm kind of going, wow, how, how deluded is your mind? I it's know. massive, it's, massive mind control globally. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. And it's absolutely mm. true. The com 
by being compliant, you're putting, you're empowering them. Mm. Uh, without compliance, they can't get it done. Yeah. But unfortunately, like you, you say, true. Realized, I mean, they're very short sighted. That's one of the things. There is an incident from my childhood where I was disobedient and it saved my life. It absolutely directly saved my life. So I have that, you know, in me. I don't know at the time how, you know, where I got the strength to really, really, absolutely disobey authority because I was a little nothing, you know. <laughs> but as I said before, I had learned during this long 10-month odyssey to trust my judgment about people, about who I could trust. And on my final exit from Romania, I had to get to the harbor city uh, to cross the Black Sea to Turkey, to Istanbul. On the way, on the train, I befriended a family. So when we got to the harbor, there were three small boats and people were assigned to the different boats. And I was assigned to the boat with all the orphan children. And I absolutely refused. I refused in no uncertain terms. I cried and screamed and all that. I wouldn't go no matter what. I was finally, I was the only one left on the dock sitting on my little valise, screaming my head off. I would not go with the, in the boat that they assigned me to. I only wanted to go with the family. And that's the reason was really that I trusted them. I knew they were, that they were kind. They would take care of me. Okay, miraculously, I won the battle. And the first night out at sea, while I was asleep, because I was very seasick most of the time, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. Oh, no survivor. I learned about it the next morning everyone was talking about and was so upset you know they heard the screams and all that I didn't say a word I didn't say one word to anybody but I thought to myself I was right I was right to disobey but you see I also had a pang of guilt I felt guilty because I was glad to be alive that's a heavy burden too you know, for a small child to feel guilty about something that obviously had nothing to feel guilty about. But guilt is something that, you know, many survivors feel. But that's, that stubbornness, that, you know, disobedience, that came up now. Yeah. That came up now. I mean, most of my life, yeah, people knew I was stubborn, but I mean, but it didn't mean life and death. But now it does. So that has held me sort of in, you know, who I am. And I wish, I wish people would trust their own intuition, their own gut. Yeah. That's natural. And it's individual. Each one will react differently to different situations. But that's important. That's human. 
not to react the way you were taught to react. No. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain your own. It's a terrible thing to be stripped of your own being to conform to what somebody or other decides is the correct way to respond. Yeah. It's inauthentic. But that's control. You see, this is how control mm -hmm. actually. It's embedded, the control. And that mm -hmm. is what people need to... You know, by the way, we haven't talked about nurses, but, you know, nurses were very, very complicit with the medical establishment in during the Nazi period. And a lot of the killing, the medical murder, was done by nurses. So the perversion of medicine and all healing people was, they took care of all of it. And they're doing that now. The thing is, though, that now there are so many more, thousands, tens of thousands of doctors and nurses who say no. Now, partly that's also because they themselves are being pushed. And so they have been seeing what these injections do. They've been seeing it close up. So that's a rational decision. I wish there were more of it. Now, at the same time, I worry that they may have known that you'd be walking off out of the hospitals. And the hospitals have become, again, killing centers. Without nurses, without nurses, you cannot survive in a hospital. Doctors give orders, doctors do their thing, whether it's cutting or whatever, and they leave. And then you're left. Who, who's going to take care of you? Who nurses you? It's a nurse. And I had to laugh once. I, I thought it was the former head of the New England Journal, editor-in-chief, way former. He was extreme. I forget names. He was extremely influential and, and was the long-standing editor-in-chief. And then in older age, he fell in his own home in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he had to be hospitalized. And then he wrote an essay about nurses. And I thought, how funny. All the years as an academic, as a top, you know, <laughs> editor-in-chief, you never talked about nurses because <laughs> they were like the servants of doctors. But now he appreciated what nurses do in hospitals. It was, well, better late than never. But, but if nurses leave hospitals, hospitals become killing centers because no one will take care of people. That's, that's another aspect of all of this. They've closed at least 10 hospitals and maybe more that we don't know about for lack of staff, really. Derry, I totally agree with you. Yeah, with the, the hospitals are complete business centers. Of course, they want you to be a hamster on the wheel, you know, a patient for life sort of a scenario. So it's um, it's not that there's loads and loads of bad doctors. We know there's some good doctors, of course, out there, but I don't necessarily blame a lot of them. I blame the, you know, we can go back to, which is a long story, we won't go into now, but the John D. Rockefellers of the day, of course, the, the propaganda machine, you know, the indoctrination of what it was. So the schooling in the, the past 100 plus years that has went on through that from state to state, taking over America, coming across the world, the college systems, right across the whole world, 
is just simply drug pushing after drug pushing um, all, all the time it is um, for the big pharma cartel. And like we knew at the very, very early stages, like he mentioned earlier, what he hiding if it's 55, 75 years, you know, most of us will never be around maybe to actually see if those documents ever get open in decades and decades from now, if that is the case. But it just shows the guilt straight away. And before that, we know what the guilt at the very early stage with the government before anything got announced. They all had backhanders, they all indemnified all the big pharma cartel, be it Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, you know, Pfizer, et cetera, et cetera. It shows in itself, it's like, at all costs, let, the, let the, the population at large be experimented on. There's still people today that I say, and they say, did you get your injection or did you get your booster? And I said, did you go get experimented on? And they look and kind of go, what do you mean get experimented on? I goes, you do realize you're still in, in this is the, the biggest, it's not no longer the lab rats anymore. You are the lab rats on a global yeah. scale. And they're, they're amused. They're like, what you, they just can't even comprehend this. Like no. you would put all these toxins after toxins into your armistice and don't ask one single question all because you believe this guy in a television that you will never, ever meet in your whole lifetime. It says, and that's why televisions are there because they're the tell lie vision. They lie to you. And that's why their programs on because they're programming you for decades and decades all the time. But uh, Vera, I know we're just gone past the hour, Mark. I'll hand you back to Grace to close it out. But is there any final message you would in all your years of being around that you would give to people as well? Um, just to close out, a simple message. I think I've said it. You've got to rebel on your own. You've got to understand and really appreciate the fact that unlike survivors of the Holocaust were rescued by military force of the United States, United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union, this time around, there are no rescuers. There will be no rescuers whatsoever. You have to be your own rescuer and your family's rescuer by saying, no more, we don't obey. That's it, really. It's as stark as that. It's up to every one of us, frail as we might be, to refuse to obey. Mm -hmm. That's the strongest weapon, I think, that we have, and we must use it. Because as we've learned, those rights that we have and don't use and don't assert are wiped away. Thank you, Vera. I'll hand you back to Grace just to close out. And so as we ended, this is a perfect time to end, as you emphasize that it is our nurse power, that no one don't be expecting someone to come and rescue us or rescue you at work. You do your part, okay? Because we all have to do our parts. Exactly. And again, thank you. And for those who uh, posted some questions, I'm sure somewhere down the line, your questions were answered. And we'll have Vera again at some point when she could squeeze another time for us. So thank you for everyone. And Vera, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Thanks, Vera. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code AWAKENING.